Hi everyone, my name is Steve Riefman and I'm a National Board Certified Elementary School teacher and author in Santa Monica, California. During my 24-year career, I've worked to create an approach that engages the whole child and empowers students to achieve academic excellence, build strong character, develop lasting work habits and social skills, and take charge of their health and wellness. In this podcast, I'll be sharing strategies, stories, tips, and resources that will help you inspire and empower your students and improve your teaching. In this episode, I'll be focusing on how we as educators can encourage strong student-to-student connections and friendships in our classrooms. At the beginning of each school year, I like to mention to my students that when many adults show up to work in the morning, they report to an office or maybe a cubicle. And even though they communicate with others throughout the day, maybe at meetings, on the phone, or via email, much of their work is done independently. And in schools, our work is not like that. Because all of us are in the same room together throughout the day, our work is inherently interactive. And because of that, each one of us has the daily golden opportunity to powerfully and positively impact the day of others with our kindness, positive energy, gestures of friendship, and other good deeds. And as the students do this consistently, our classrooms naturally become happier places to be. The need for belonging that all of us have is met. The sense of connectedness to one another, to the class as a whole, and to educational pursuits in general increases, and greater learning gains result. My favorite example of how strong student-to-student connections can impact the larger environment happened during my very first year of teaching when I was teaching first grade. And during the first week of school, I was trying to help my students get into the routine of coming into class, putting away their belongings, going right through their seats, and starting work on the activity that was on their desk waiting for them. So one morning, the first student to arrive was a boy named Kevin. Kevin did exactly what he was supposed to do. He put his things away, he went to his desk, he started working. Over the course of the next few minutes, more and more students arrived, put their things away, started working at their desk. I looked around the room a minute later and I noticed that the only person who was no longer at their desk working was Kevin. And I began to wonder, where is he? What could possibly be going on? I looked over at the front door and I noticed Kevin's back. He was looking out the door and I was wondering what he was doing. A second later, I saw a girl named Michelle walk in the door. Now, Michelle was born with a condition that made it very difficult for her to walk. Kevin met her at the door, took her by the hand, walked her to the closet in the back of the room, hung up her backpack, put her lunchbox on the shelf, walked her to her desk, pushed in her chair, went back to his desk. To this day, it remains the single greatest thing that I have ever seen in a classroom. And as we analyze the effect of Kevin's kindness on the classroom environment, we see that Michelle's day got a lot better, Kevin's day got a lot better, my day got a lot better when I saw this, and when I share what happened and recognize this effort with the rest of the class and they start doing things like this, all of this multiplies over time. So we create an environment where the students don't simply come to school each day, sit at their desk and do independent seat work the whole day. We have a much greater interactive effect on one another making all of our days a lot better. One specific strategy that we can use in the classroom to build these strong students to student connections and create a sense of mutual caring is the morning check-in. 
The one I like to use is a variation of one that's found in the well-known Tribes program. I've used this activity every morning of my 24-year teaching career. The kids are sitting in a circle, and when it's their turn, they say a number, one through 10. 10 means they're happy, they're excited, life really could not get any better. One means that they're either extremely sick or tired or something is not going well for them that day. They can also pick any number in between, fractions and decimals included, and then students also have the right to pass. And if they pass, no questions will be asked, nobody will give them a hard time. And when one person is saying a number, I encourage all the other kids to look closely to see whose number might be lower and who might need a little boost or a little cheering up throughout the day. So many years ago, one day, and we, don't, we do not have time to do this a lot, but at the very end of the day, we go back into the circle and say the numbers again to see if there was any change from the morning to the afternoon. There was one student who was a two in the morning, and at the end of the day, she was a 10. And when she said 10, other kids' faces lit up because they couldn't believe what a change had occurred from the morning. And I asked her why her number had changed from a two to a 10, like what happened throughout the day? She said that one student across the circle from her noticed that she was a two, made an effort to spend time with her throughout the day, play with her, cheer her up, and that had a fantastic effect. And at the end of the day, she was a 10. So when we can encourage students to look out for one another like this, that again, can create very strong students and student connections and friendships and have a tremendous effect on the overall classroom environment. Another way that we can build strong, caring students to student connections is by sharing something that comes as a bit of a surprise to many students. At the beginning of each school year, I tell kids that there's a very good chance that the most important things that they will learn that year will not come from me or will not come from a book or from an online source. They will come from a classmate. This is especially true in the area of technology. Many times when the kids are working on their Chromebooks, all the students in my school have their own Google Chromebook, students will have a question that I simply can't answer. But the good news is that other kids can answer their questions. So the kids gravitate toward each other. They look to each other to help each other um, solve whatever issues they might be having with whatever program or software they are using. It's also true in math. Sometimes I'm explaining a strategy to a student and it just isn't clicking. However, if I ask another student to help out and explain the strategy, many times it simply works better because kids are able to communicate with one another more effectively than teachers can sometimes. This is also true in other subjects as well. This is an important thing to discuss with students because we want them to see one another as friends and as assets and resources, never as competitors, as rivals or threats. We want to build a we're all on this together type mindset so that we can have strong teamwork and strong student to student connections. Another specific strategy we can use is to provide time and opportunities for students to recognize one another's great work, effort, and behavior. Because time is in such short supply on most days, usually we'll need to do this verbally. So if it's just a minute or two before recess or lunch or physical education or the end of the day, we can ask students to raise their hand and offer recognitions to their classmates. So if it's just before recess, for example, and we just finished our math period, 
maybe somebody will raise a hand and say, I would like to recognize Henry because he was working very hard on his math today. Or I would like to recognize Alice because she was a great partner for me today. I was having trouble with a certain strategy and she helped me figure out the problem that I was having a hard time figuring out. Recognitions benefit everybody. The students who give the recognitions feel great. The students who are receiving them certainly feel great. And it's especially cool when somebody recognizes you that you don't expect. Maybe somebody that you don't usually play with at recess or that you don't consider yourself a close friend to will raise a hand and share something kind about you. Now as teachers, we wanna be on the lookout to make sure that everybody is getting recognized. It's very deflating when you feel like you're not getting the same type of recognition that everybody else and you're working just as hard. So we can offer recognitions to students if we don't see that other students are. But we wanna encourage everybody to recognize everybody else so we can all share in this experience. When time does allow, it's great when the kids have a chance to provide written recognitions for one another. Because if the kids can take the notes home and show it to their parents, it's more lasting than a verbal comment made in class, even though both are wonderful. Now there are two main ways to do written recognitions in class. The easiest one is to create some form of a template. I read a book once about how different companies do different types of recognition activities, and one company um, created something called a quote-unquote you done good note. Now even though the grammar isn't very good, the note got a lot of great results when used with the company. So I decided to create something like it for my own classroom where it said you done good note at the top. There was a place for the giver of the note to write the person to whom they were giving it, um, their own name, and then the reason why they were giving it. So creating something like that, having a stack on hand, creating some parameters so the students know when and when they are or are not allowed to do that because we certainly don't want them doing it um, in the middle of something really important and you want their focus to be on the task at hand. But if the kids can simply have those available to them, anytime they notice somebody doing something great, they can fill out the note. And if you want, right before recess or lunch, you can have time set aside for the kids to present them publicly or maybe you ask them to present them privately or even leave them on the student's desk or even sneak them inside the desk so that when the recipient finds it, it's a bit of a surprise. And that can lead to some wonderful bonding moments. So simply having those notes available and having kids do it when they can is the simplest option. A more structured approach is when you have everybody providing a written recognition notes for everybody else. I do this during the last week of the school year as part of my effort to provide great closure um, for our school year. I will give um, each child a you done good note. I have a plastic cup with popsicle sticks and on each stick is a student's name. I will have everybody come up, take a popsicle stick, see the name that's on the stick and whichever name you see, that's the person you're writing the note for. So once all the kids pick the sticks, I have them go somewhere private in the room so it's very secret. They have some time to create their you done good notes. Then we will all come together and then one at a time in a circle present the notes to everybody else. And that leads to some fantastic closure. So whether you prefer a more um, individual approach or a more whole class structured approach, anytime we can have the kids provide written recognitions, it could lead to some wonderful moments and wonderful results. 
The next idea I'd like to share is well known as a classroom management tool, but I would like to focus on its connection building benefits. It's called the appointment clock, and it's wonderful when we want kids to work with partners. When we're doing an activity, the last thing we want to do is give the directions for the activity and then ask everybody to turn around and find a partner because that's going to lead to chaos. I found that it is best to take some time in the beginning of the year, maybe a few weeks into the school year after the kids have had a chance to get to know one another, and have everybody fill out what's called an appointment clock. Now the one that I use is a picture of an actual clock with lines coming off each hour so that there are 12 lines. So there's the potential for the kids to find 12 different partners to work with. I think that's a bit too many. So with my fourth graders, I start with six, going from one o'clock all the way to six o'clock. I go from the hours of one to six because that coincides with a spinner that I use at the top of our whiteboard so that I can keep track of which partners we're using by using the spinner. So what I'll do is explain to the kids that we're about to choose partners that we would like to work with throughout the school day in many different academic areas. So they walk around and they find six different people to be their partners. So for example, if I have a blank piece of paper, I may walk around and see Cindy and say, would you like to be my one o'clock partner? I would write my name on her paper, she would write her name on my paper, and then we would be one o'clock partners. We will continue until we had six different people to work with. And I emphasize that it's important to find people that you think you will cooperate with and be very productive with. And sometimes your closest friend may not be a great person to have on your appointment clock because there may be the tendency to get distracted or talk about other things and lose the focus on the task at hand. So once everybody has their six partners, I have them write down those six names on a small piece of paper that they attach to their nameplates at the top of their desk so they can quickly access these names anytime I ask them to work with a certain clock partner. Now, as far as the connection building benefits go, many times parents have found me at the beginning of the school year, they've wanted to talk to me about some difficulties that their kids have had in the past forming friendships. And I have found that having six partners on the appointment clock has done wonders for these kids because throughout the first weeks and months of the year, they naturally have a chance to work with six different people. They get to know them and before long, they're scheduling play dates, they're having lunch together, they're playing at recess together, they're building close friends throughout the process of doing cooperative learning. So not only does the appointment clock give us a wonderful management tool to help organize and structure our partner work, it also gives the kids opportunities naturally to develop strong connections with their classmates throughout the school year. I'd like to close this podcast with two points. The first relates to a wonderful book that I read a few years ago called Made to Stick by two brothers, Chip Heath and Dan Heath. Their point was that all over the world, every day, people are trying to get other people to pay attention to their messages. It could be companies trying to get potential consumers to pay attention to their advertisements, parents trying to get their kids to listen to their messages, or teachers trying to get students to listen to their messages. In the book, the authors describe how some messages resonate with the audience and some don't. The term they use is stick. Some messages stick, some messages don't and are quickly forgotten. I have found that kids value their school connections and friendships very much. And by mentioning these, we can create messages that stick. For example, if there's a student who has difficulty coming back on time from recess or lunch each day, I have a couple choices in how I approach it. 
I can pull them aside and talk about the consequences that will follow if they don't come on time. Or I could say, when you show up on time, that will help all of us learn better. So by appealing to the connections, I have found over time that those messages tend to stick because kids do not want to let other kids down. Another example, on the rug when the kids are listening to instruction, to instructional lessons. If they're not paying attention and they're chatting instead, that's very distracting. So I can, again, talk to them privately, talk about how distracting it is and talk about potential consequences, or I could frame it more positively, which I find is far more um, beneficial. I could emphasize that when everybody is being a great listener, then we can all learn better. Again, we are all doing our part. We are living up to our responsibilities as a team member. And I have found that those messages tend to stick. I once heard about a study of soldiers during wartime, and the people conducting the study asked the soldiers, what motivates you more than anything else to um, fight your hardest in the battle? Is it because you don't want to let down the general? Is it because of patriotism? Is it something else? And the people who did this study figured out that the number one most motivating factor for the soldiers was their buddies, the people they were fighting alongside. They wanted to do it for them. They did not want to let them down. They wanted to be a service to the people around them. Now, obviously the situation is far different in a classroom, but I found that the same idea holds true, that kids want to do a great job for their classmates, and anytime we can create messages like that, um, mentioning the connections will help those messages stick. The final point I'd like to make is that sadly, as time goes on, it seems that we hear about more and more students who are either doing harm to themselves or doing harm to others. And in the news reports that follow, we often find out that these students felt very alone, isolated, um, starting from very young ages, even bullied or treated very poorly during their school experiences. So while the benefits that I'm describing in this podcast benefit everybody, perhaps they could be especially helpful for those kids who need connections because they just haven't developed any so far in their lives. So as teachers, we can look out for those students. We can encourage all the kids to look out for everybody else. So maybe we can alter the trajectory for those kids and ensure to the best of our ability that everybody has strong connections as they proceed through school. My school, and I know many other schools do too, have something called a buddy bench, which is on the playground, and any student looking for someone to play with will sit on the bench, and then other people come by, and they will, quote-unquote, pick people up off the buddy bench so that everybody has something to somebody to play with. I like to sit on the buddy bench at recess just because it's at a nice spot on the playground, and inevitably, kids will come up and ask if I'm looking for a friend, and it's fun to have conversations with um, new friends at school. So by doing things like that and maybe making sure that everybody has somebody to eat lunch with or taking other initiatives to ensure that nobody's alone who does not want to be alone, perhaps we can make an important difference for those students. We've reached the end of today's podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you found the information useful. If you ever want to reach out, I am more than happy to connect. You can find me at steveriefman.com and send an email through the site. On Twitter, I'm at Steve Riefman. And on Facebook, I have a Teaching the Whole Child Facebook page. Thanks.